Big Fluff. You guys talk all the time about helping people. This might actually be the first time in your life you can. What, by, by killing people? Yes, bad people. Every drug dealing murder that ever walked into your confession, every rapist or pedophile that, that bragged to you about its crimes and went free. You and I both know that some of those people are beyond help. Look. I know a lot of bad people. You think I like turning tricks to pay for college? There's surprisingly little demand for hooker doctor lawyers. Help me help everyone. Please. No. This madness must stop. Doug! I have to do confessions. Right now? Yes, right now! <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we press on through Revenge of the Guests Month. Uh, and we have back another guest from when we watched the Fast Saga. Uh, welcome back to the show, John Windmuller. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. It is a pleasure to be here. I don't know on the revenge part whether or not to say I'm sorry or you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I feel like we both, don't know either. So. Yeah, I feel like both fit. Yeah. So, and and likewise, uh, I, I feel like we had a really fun time with the Fast and the Furious. So I hope you felt similarly on that episode as well. I absolutely did. And I mean, they're all wonderful, but I particularly love the one that I got to land on. And yeah, nope, I, I had a great time and I was very happy to come back. So, yep. Yeah. And uh, we're here to talk about, well, why don't you tell us what we're here to talk about? This, the, this week? Um, I, I, I wanted to call it a cult hit, but I don't feel it's quite the hit that it ought to be, though. It's been getting some more uh, sort of publicity recently, but the, um, I don't know, 2010 or something. 2018, uh, actually. 2018, right? And there was like a couple of years where it took to, from when it first came out to when it finally got distribution. But the, the important thing, the film Velocipaster, <laughs> which uh, if Wikipedia is to believe came about um, because of an iPhone autocorrect, uh, whatnot, that it was going to be Velociraptor and it came out Velocipaster. And uh, say what you will about Brendan uh, Steer, he recognized... A golden premise when he saw it. So yeah, I mean, the movie writes itself pretty much. I mean, I don't know that if I were to randomly see something autocorrected to Velocipaster that I would have written this movie, but it I mean, definitely. I mean, the it, this is is the premise is pure gold. Yeah, you would have written a movie about a pastor that turns into a velociraptor for sure. I mean, that part. Well, yeah, yeah, that part is the same. Yes. Would it have involved ninjas and long lost brothers and, uh, you know, almost Hooker certainly doctor almost lawyers. everything I write. Hooker yeah. doctor lawyers. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel that when Velocipaster came on my phone, I would definitely feel like the universe has charged me with this. Like, I, like, I think so. Like it or not, this is what's before me. Yeah, yeah. Th this is. This is my quest. Mm -hmm. I think that is God. I think that's God working through his phone to be like, this is your mission. And I, John, I think you're right in that. I think 2010, he made a trailer for this movie. Right. It was, well, there's a, yeah. he did a grind. He did it for like a film class. Where he did a series of trailers for mm -hmm. films that do not exist. And this was one of them. Yeah. And it rightfully stood out as being something that needed to get, to get made. And then I think it took eight years to actually get that to actually movie made. come to fruition and get filmed yeah. and and sent out into the world. And now you can stream it. And attempted to get it funded through crowdsourcing and like Kickstarter and whatnot. And weirdly, the universe like didn't throw money at the concept of Velocipaster, but it eventually got there uh, on a budget of a little over 35 or 36,000, somewhere in that. And you can see every penny on screen. Let me Absolutely. Tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, starting with, and maybe, you know, I guess we should start with the beginning, but we should mention, it did crack me up right from the start, that his parents, not the part that his parents blow up uh, in their car, but that literally it is VFX car on fire printed on the screen instead of the actual car blowing up and then just him reacting to it. And not just that they had that, but they cut back to 
Yes. <laughs> Multiple, like three or they cut between them making the best react. of what was probably real in that that probably really was a temp shot that they were hoping to get the VFX for. And when they couldn't went, ah, well, <laughs> print it, you know, that's absolutely yeah. how I see it. But they realize and then, then someone eventually pointed out, like, we're having all this difficulty. And then they eventually asked the important question. Will any graphic image that we get be better than yes. the text? <laughs> the and, yeah, and the answer is no. <laughs> no. Which I also it definitely serve the film. Yeah, I also think we should talk about because, yeah, as we said, we we do maligned movies. And, and certainly I'm sure that this would not be a movie that's for everyone. But at the same time, this is a movie that knows what it is. Like it's trying to be 100 oh, percent. Yeah, I, yeah I, feel, I felt like when it was a category, I felt like, is it fair to call this a maligned movie when it would be the first in line to malign itself right. in a way? Right. And so uh, that being the case. But I still feel it is underappreciated in going above and beyond what's necessary to be like, oh, this is a campy film that's aware of itself and and isn't shying away from it being bad. Yeah, no, I, it's, I, I really think. Yeah, yeah, it's your pick. And I think it's totally valid. I just think because normally we spend the beginning part sort of talking about why it's maligned. And I almost feel like that's beside the point with this movie. <laughs> Yeah, this this definitely this movie definitely falls into that category. We've watched a few. This is we tend not to do movies like this on the pod, but yeah, this one like it it it's too in on the joke to really malign it in any fair and meaningful way. I have a couple of things I could nitpick about even its self awareness, but at the same time, like this is an experience, man. This is a happening. <laughs> I think it's telling that if you look at Rotten Tomatoes on the ones that are listed as either like tomato, yay, or splat, whatever the comment, like they're pretty much, they're the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> word for word, they're the word, same text. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just. No, I, yeah, so, I think yeah. that's, that's There's right. There's a ridiculous, stupid looking dinosaur costume and none of the fight choreography makes sense. <laughs> I just, and it's like the, the Simpsons jokes, like center, best to wing, back to center, back to wing. <laughs> I think the thing that where I feel it's maligned is that it's it's just sort of given a shorthand. Oh, yeah, this is a, a campy B movie that's aware of itself. It's bad and it knows it doesn't fully get across the genius of its horribleness. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And and that's I, I think that's a question that I have about this movie is if this movie had a budget of one million dollars, would it be better or would it be worse? And I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's worse. I think it honestly. I, I think it might be yeah. worse. Yeah. Yeah. There's a chance it might be better. But I think but I, I, I genuinely I don't know 100 percent. I can't say for certain that it would be worse, nor can I say for certain that it would be better. Yeah. Because one million dollars is also a nothing budget for a movie. Oh yeah, that's an indie. That's yeah, like yeah. you can get. That's a small yeah. indie. Yeah, like that's like, couch cushion money for a studio. Like they, yeah, Dogma had a budget of more than a million dollars. Yeah, at the Mall time Rat had a budget of more than a million dollars at the time, not adjusted yeah. for inflation. Yeah, and you know, I, where I where I don't feel weirdly this this uh, what they would have done it on it's you know in post production. But actually, uh, I feel like he edited the the crap out of this. Like, there's there's some really some sort of montages that I could see him holding up of going like, well, look, look, I'm trying to get a bigger budget. Look what I'm capable of. Well, the, um, well the, the love scene, like the when the right? two of them like, yeah, the, the editing involved in that where it's a lot of these little frames all together in a montage that. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But also the skill involved in that, especially for no well, money. And and that's the th that's the thing. One of the things I come to that's like to nitpick this movie a little bit. It is incredibly well lit and incredibly well edited for how terrible everything else is. Right. And I and it, like that just like like this dude, I think, has a lot of might have a lot of talent. I definitely think someone should give him money. Like someone should give him a million dollars to make a movie and see what he does with it. Yeah, for sure. Even if it's Velocipaster too. They go like the Evil Dead route and they just make two, but it's just this, but with like a bigger budget. With a budget and Bruce Campbell. Yeah, you could probably get Bruce Campbell. Um, well, and then like there's other weird scenes where like the cheesy special effects are much of a higher budget, too, than like you would think. Like the scene where uh, the old priest is having a flashback <laughs> and his girlfriend just explodes. Like... 
that's better special effects than any other point in the movie. Yeah. I also other I, than the makeup when he's almost Velocipaster. Yeah. Like there's a couple points where he has like decent like lizardy makeup with the eyes and everything. And then like the actual dinosaur costume is worse than some of the blow up ones. I do have to say, I think the hardest I laughed at anything in this movie was right after his girl blew up and the blood splattered over all of them that the other guy deadpanned. There's nothing we can do for her. <laughs> there's, there, I feel like there's a lot of, um, and then right where it goes over the top on it is because there's also at the very beginning when he gets his power, uh, there's someone who's got an arrow like coming out of them. And his first question to her is, are you hurt? Yes. <laughs> right. Well, and also that's um, another one of like the VFX title card moments where <laughs> He goes to China, but it's very clearly just the woods behind where they've been shooting everything else. And then yeah. it says China on the screen. And then he has a line that's like, ah, China. <laughs> and and the, and the path to getting there is him getting in his car. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, of yeah. It. It, it does the process shot, like projected screen car montage to go to China. Yeah. Which is also where the, like, also that, like, apparently China is where God isn't. Like, that's because that was <clears throat> his quest to go right. where their God isn't present. It's like, oh, that's China on it. Which <clears throat> I feel like this is a kind of an interesting question on, on what counts for comedy and where is the line or not. There's a couple of places where it leans into material that is absolutely offensive, but is it aware of it enough that, no, this is satire. Right. And I feel like yeah. It gets dicey on there. So the the scene where we get introduced to Frankie Mermaid, the the pimp, like right. that whole thing. If that was an improv scene, I'd be giving notes to them of going like, no, like just. Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His dialogue don't. in particular, yeah, is is yes. That, that's a one on one class that you have to talk to afterwards. <laughs> like in right. improv, it's the scene you stop in the middle and be like, all right, yeah. so right. Let's um, debrief on this a little bit. But it's so over the top right. that I feel like it shows awareness of it. And so it is it is satire, but you're having to sort of give him some credit there on it. Um, I think for me, the reason why Partless Movie stuck out is that I think it was sold within the first couple of minutes. I could have just coasted on that, that we within the first couple of minutes, we we meet Pastor Doug, um, uh, who, by the way, uh, is played by Greg Cohen, uh, who I want to give credit to. He just goes for it. Like, yeah. he oh, yeah. Yeah. All the way. commits. Like, at no point is he winking on this. No. Like, like, clearly the director's saying, like, I want you to look intently at the camera for, like, 15 seconds. I know that seems way too long. And I and he must know that, being human. But yet he doesn't. Like, he, <laughs> right. at well, no point does he get winky uh, with it for that. So we have that. It's got the VFX car on fire. The, the line of like, your parents die, Doug. It's what parents do. They die on you. <laughs> and then Doug says, um, why would God? Why would God? Like, so already I'm like, and then he turns, you know, that he's going to turn the Velociraptor. Like, great, that's fine. It's that it goes beyond what it had to. Like, it could have just gone there and the movie could have played out with that alone. It could have played out just going 8A from there on out. From there on. But instead. There's, this, there's ninjas. There's his long lost brother. There's the flashback of the old priest. There's the exorcism with the tarot card guy. Like, I think yeah. for me, the uh, the moment of, oh, hell yeah, like this, this gets deserves more credit than it should, is when one of the ninjas, who's a, an entirely tertiary character, when faced with some incompetence about going into a battle, has a flashback about be, a premonition that he will most certainly die in this. Yes. As he goes forward. <laughs> there was just... That, you know, it's entirely ancillary and wonderful. And I, I love that. I don't know if it's the improv sensibilities about that. I love it, but it's just. Well, that's something I think this movie does astonishingly well, is that it's rare that you see a movie that is so self-aware, but at the same time, not at all winky. Yeah. And like that, this movie executes that. Yeah. I do. I and, love to the speaking of like just the, those kind of moments of the the reveal with the brother is essentially retconning the movie that we've seen so far at the end of the movie. Like he's literally inserted into moments we've seen before that he was there the whole time. <laughs> like of of their their father saying, "Ah, my only son," <laughs> while he's sitting in the backseat of the car going, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, like he pops into frame to be horrified that he's been forgotten. 
And then weirdly, narratively, it's weak. Like it doesn't really increase the like tension for me uh, too much or anything like that. But it's and it's definitely hats on hats, right? But still, they go for it. But and that's the point, though. I think yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is completely out of left field. It is apropos of absolutely nothing. Um, that it it does the type of thing that the type of movie that it's paying homage to. It, again, it's where it's it's being self-aware, but not winking. It's just it goes for it. It swings for the fence. And I, I and do think, I feel like it's for something it's as tropey as it is. It still has these moments of surprise where it goes that extra bit. Like the the romance montage was legitimately kind of sexy and intimate. And the whole time, you know, like they're definitely going to throw stuff in this uh, the part that is going to point that don't don't fit on this grid. But then when the grid itself becomes the um, the the stained glass of a church. Yeah. It's yeah. genuinely unique on that. And the really rapid editing uh, at the end was actually not an effect I've seen before, but actually I thought really powerful. It was like, I, that should be in a film somewhere other than here. <laughs> other than <Velocipaster>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for that. Um, I think another moment where I realized, oh my gosh, this is ingenious was when he is um, confronting uh, what did he has this history about being a velocity that he was a velocity pastor they're out in the woods and he needed to borrow clothing and it's this like orange jumper mini skirty yes. yeah. thing and it's just never talked about he just completely you know leans into this for dramatic effect without ever kind of saying anything about the fact that he is absolutely wearing what i'm sure they figured out is what's the most ridiculous thing we can put him in the, the, the most jarring that doesn't fit what we expect for this scene and he runs while wearing that. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, because that's the clip from the beginning. That's he. All of that is happening. That opening clip that we played while he's wearing this, and then he's like, "I have to go to confession," and he runs like while wearing this thing that's barely covering him. Yeah, no, that's it's. And I feel like a mediocre or average B film that was software like that wouldn't have had that right. Like that's where like this this goes above my expectation for knowingly winky bad filmmaking. Yeah, like this threads a completely different needle than like the Sharknado movies or any of those like sci-fi cheesy schlock movies that, you know, have their place and are 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 enjoyable. Sure. But like this movie is it's it's like that on a whole different level. I think for me, it's he is always swinging for the fences. Yeah. But like blindfolded, it's like a dangerous pinata game. But like <laughs> it does not always to success. But I will say, like, where it could have just been totally coasting on trope, like, no, like nothing is going to be ordinary about this movie, even if sometimes it's extraordinarily bad and sometimes it has moments of like, this is kind of brilliant in its terribleness and yeah, and heightening. I will say just well, yeah. be, because we're being very complimentary and to be clear, I really enjoy this movie, but just to to push back a little uh, since we're still like in this opening part, I will say like as much as I enjoyed all of it and scene to scene, I liked everything. I think because it its instincts were always jokey and its instincts were always to do something ridiculous that I even thought it's only like 70 minutes long. I did feel like it started to drag in parts because there wasn't like a true like story there's not a real as much as the lead actor is great and he's playing it very sincerely i feel like even if you gave him like a little bit more if there was like a just a touch more sincerity to the actual narrative or a touch more narrative to the actual narrative i think it would have driven it a little bit more like and all of that to say i don't know that it matters or anyone cares but just that was the one thing i noticed that like as much as i enjoyed it sometimes it did feel like it dragged a little bit yeah i think that's part of our job on this podcast to look at maybe why this movie hasn't attained that cult status. And maybe if it had a more cohesive narrative with all of the craziness or that he even had like more of a call to action or call to adventure that like, like sure he's a velocipaster, but and sure that Carla, the hooker, doctor lawyer, um, you know, wants him to start killing people, becoming a, essentially a vigilante. Um, it still is lacking in that call to adventure and it's just like it's a it's a delightful mess of things that happen yeah like at the end when he's just like i have six words to say <laughs> i think my hands are immune <laughs> <Slash>. <laughs> like 
no notes bravo <laughs> also the cut to what is so clearly i think a a woman's mannequin head that is being... that happens many times yeah. throughout the movie <laughs> yeah. with just facial hair taped onto it <laughs> it and it doesn't even like really match the facial hair of the guy that was beheaded no nope. and... No, the head in no way looks like the head of the person that it was just ripped off of. And they, and again, and then John, I think you were kind of talking about this too. It's another time where he's just holding it in the frame. Like, and again, ah, I think that's where it screaming. rises above the B level of like, it's bad, but it's so bad that they want to hold it so that they make sure that you're really like just sitting with how bad it is. Well, just like when uh, the uh asian stereotype bad guy and sam the white ninja just start laughing for no reason before the cut and it goes on just way too long i was actually just gonna when we were saying that it went too long i was thinking that yeah i feel like he at no point did he step back and go okay what's working and what isn't and right. how can i change like i i feel like <clears throat> would i want to give him a million dollars like i don't know if i trust his judgment about it like i'd want to hear what he thinks about this film Yes. Right. With the yeah uh, about it because well, luckily, <laughs> right? Um, the, because that should have been cut back, right? Like it was, I, I yay for you know letting them go on longer than makes sense, and when they were filming it, but, but that that's something not... that Tim and Eric do and do better. Yeah, you know, like that the sort of that anti comedy movement, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it, like, and I think that's that's where if this movie has a failing, is that like. Again, like it, it's like so well assembled, but so poorly made, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that like. Well, and again, it's, it's, like, a, it's a movie it's, where, just, it's like, it, where it's like you can have a montage that's like we said, this beautiful stained glass, like love scene that's happening. But also it's a movie where other scenes could be cut five minutes sooner than they are so it's like on the one hand there's so much editing and craft that goes into the montage and so little editing and timing put into some of the other scenes i think is kind of the paradox of this movie yeah i feel like i, would, I wouldn't I don't, also i don't know if i would trust him this goes on to, on to sort of the the acting i don't know if i trust him to get us um i don't know if i trust him with screenplays because there's a certain part about it where um for the most part the the priest just has these just hard turns on their beliefs. It's just, we sort of only, I think only one move of the priest ends up being believable. And that is we sort of see the evolution of him falling um, for Carol. Like yes. I sort of see yeah. that happening, but like wrestling with faith. No, like, and I feel like the weird version of show don't tell this, like just close in on his face for a long period of time. And assume that we see the inner shifting going on. And I don't think that works. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, I, I don't know that I understand the ninjas are kind of aligned with the church. Like, I, I don't know that that really tracked. Yeah, that weird kind of convoluted, like, well, we're going to flood your city with cocaine. And then when everybody's addicted to the cocaine, we're going to take away the cocaine so that they all join uh, rehabilitation programs that are most likely run by the church. Which I feel like was an interesting cut on the Salvation Army and its use of uh, <laughs> people who are on parole for labor. But that's a whole other thing. Well, like, that's the thing. It's like it, it seemed like it was dipping its toe into the water of social commentary. And then did he realize, like, you know what? This might not be the movie for that. And then pull back and. You know, like, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's. I would be willing to guess that he intentionally made this movie as quickly and slapdash as possible like for the aesthetic of that as much as anything else. He's like, you know, we're not going back. We're not doing reshoots. We're not doing any of this. You know, what we got in the can is what we're going to edit together. Um, and he shows like, I mean, or his editor, because I don't think he edited them. He edited. Oh, yeah, did he edit yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does say that in the beginning. It's like written, directed, and edited by. <laughs> so, you know, like he clearly has sensibilities. And I don't know if I'm ever become a you know, fantastically rich individual. I'll throw a million bucks his way and see what he can do with a movie. Yeah. 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 I think the great thing about this movie is that it hilariously feels like an hour long improv set. And the drawbacks of this movie is that it feels like an hour long improv set. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Entirely fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is absolutely a montage. I am really curious about I feel like one thing that I would love to know how intentional it it is. I feel like it must be, but I don't know to why the camera motions on this is like this is what you do if like you can't afford a fluid head tripod. I guess like, yeah. it's like the jerkiest camera movements ever and pointing at things that make no sense. Like we're just like tracking along the edge of a door at one point. But That's in the very in the opening scene, like right after they cut away from VFX car on fire. Yeah. It's just sort of jerkily moving around the door. Yeah, there was what was the one moment too where it like zoomed in and then zoomed back out and then zoomed in again. <laughs> there was like I'm... and there's a moment uh, after when he uh when the person is remembering in Vietnam, uh, this flashback where it looks like the, the film, like it's just the effect of the film running out. And then it's this weird cutback without saying why. Um, that Which was is, odd. Yep. I mean, that's just a lift from Grindhouse, I think, essentially. Yeah. And the same thing, like when they do, like uh, when he gets shot with the uh, anti Velocipaster arrow. Uh, where they just like freeze frame and then just like, literally you can see him like literally pasting the picture of him, the frame of him in a normal person costume again. Which is a funny thing because it's parodying the Grindhouse way of just literally taping film together. But at the same time, I'm sure this was shot digitally and that was actually a lot of work to make it look like pieces well, of film is, being taped together. What I read on the IMDb trivia is that he did actually shoot this on film because he like. Oh, treated the film that, yeah, that like he um, that he rubbed the film, uh, the undeveloped film on the floor of his bathroom to get like a little bit of a grainier tone to it. And cause it was the only room that was completely dark in his house that wouldn't expose like the footage. And like, that, yeah, it was, this was shot on film. That feels he definitely all the editing, though, on a nonlinear editing system, because there's no way on film that that the rapid cuts. <laughs> I'm just thinking well, about. Right. Like, like I've done Super 8 film. I just can't imagine with the, all the little taping slices. I kind of, I'm going to say that I don't believe that. Like, I think that he said that, but because it's also, it's a $35,000 movie. The, uh, the cost of actually shooting this on film and developing that film and like would be astronomical. Yeah. It's, I, I would guess this is digital and he's creating a bit of mythology about that. The sounds, process. That sounds more accurate than IMDb trivia. Yeah. You've done us wrong. What? That's your one IMDb trivia. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're, you're on notice. Yeah, because especially in 2018, I, it's like, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of places even still developing film, especially if you're an indie person and not like right. a studio that wants to. Yeah, you're not Chris Nolan or someone who's like has that kind of pull. And even he's shooting all digital now. Yeah, that's true. He, he loves those IMAX cameras. So he really does. <laughs> um, I think it's fascinating that this is a film that, that at least... Uh, I mean, people are aware of, or at least it's, it's, it's quote unquote cult classic, but it's coming up on that because I was debating the other film that I was thinking about uh, suggesting for this is um, a film called Alien Raiders, uh, which is, was directed by a friend of mine, Ben Rock. Ben um, was the production designer on uh, Blair Witch. So there's a little oh, stick nice. figures there. I went to high yeah. school with him. It's great. And it's, um, and he went from there. He went out to LA with sort of impeccable credentials. He's done um, he's made a living in LA, which is great and has, has made stuff. Uh, and his one, like his big directorial debut was around alien Raiders, which is set in a grocery store. There's aliens who've invaded. It's kind of there, but it's well done. It is super well shot. And, and there on every metric you could possibly be it, it is a better film than this. Like, and <laughs> yet fewer people have heard about it. Um, and it's just fascinating to me that the way the industry works is that like, you can make this very competent film, like from other, but we're now in this weird age where like, no, thanks to the Internet, I, you know, this is the one that folks are going to be aware of and talking about more often well, as opposed to. Yeah, I think it comes down to the title Velocipaster yep. versus Alien Raiders. Yeah. Well, right. No, I think that is a, it's a and, case. And, and yeah. Ben, by the way, hated Alien Raiders as a title. It was <laughs> imposed on him by the theater. So there's a whole lesson about like playing it safe isn't. Uh, but yeah. No, it's like snakes on a plane. Like the, the title tells you what the movie is and sells it for you and especially i would imagine on an indie movie that's half the battle is like we all watch this on amazon prime it's like you're scrolling amazon prime you see a movie called velocipaster you're like i know what that is that sounds ridiculous i want to watch it versus yeah alien raiders it's like 
you know, maybe that's going to be good. Maybe that's going to be bad. It's not. Oh, yeah. I would I would not even check like the like click to see what it's about link for a movie called Alien Raiders. No offense to your friend, of course. No, he did again. Not right. thrilled about the title on it like that. Um, and if there's anyone listening, go watch it. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime for cheap. Like it, it is a very solid, good, you know, in you know, sort of that like we've got aliens. It's all come down to this one. A small microcosm of a small convenience store or grocery store that's living. It's fantastic. But yeah, I will say one thing though, at least for me, Sharknado and Snarks and Snarks on a plane, Snakes on a plane. <laughs> snarks, I, on a snarks on a plane. Now I want to see that. That's like, our parody that we're like, writing. We're all three of us are right. going to write Snarks on a plane. <laughs> snarks on a plane. When when I watch those, like, I don't know if I even finished either of them. Both of them are like, yeah, this is what I expected. Like, it, like at no point did it have like, the last chapter was like, this definitely exceeded like it it didn't just go by the title alone like it exceeded my expectations yes. of how far, where it was going to go with it yeah no i would completely it, agree with that is that this is definitely pushing it for it could have re- i think andy you said this before but yeah it could have just rested on the premise but yeah it's it goes big and it's ridiculous and memorable because of that like that's the thing is they could have done a movie where it was just velocipaster hearing confessions and if they're bad enough velocipastering them Mm-hmm. And that could have been the whole movie, and it probably would have gotten the similar amount of notoriety because it has the title Velocipaster. Yep. You know, but, and even if they'd gone like more of the like the Jaws route, which they did at times with the not showing the Velociraptor costume as or showing as little of it as possible until the scene in Daylight when he fights the ninjas. Which like. Yeah, it is very Jaws in that, like, we've hidden this the whole time and now we're going to show it. And it is so obviously an ill-fitting, low, bad costume. <laughs> like, bad, yeah, costume. And it's just a guy running around. You can around. see, like, the hole where they got they crawl in in the bottom. And... You can see the head. Yeah. Like, it looks like the, the Velociraptor has a hump because of where the yeah. person's head is. Yeah. And I feel like also all the fight choreography, like, there wasn't a lot of practice. Like, there's, no. there's often, like, you know... We don't have to worry. Like, no, already act like you're being hit like a solid second before it looks like that punch would actually land. You know, it's just I did love like that. But I think it was edited snappily enough that like you didn't laugh at how bad the fight choreography was. I did like, appreciate though the the scene right after they they make love where the ninjas come in the window. First of all, the first ninja A plus because he did like a roll in. The other guy's very gingerly like climbed in, but that fight choreography was particularly <laughs> not fight choreography. Yeah and yeah i also um oh man that moment when i feel it's best is when it knows the trope and then it goes over the top like wearing the dress um mm-hmm. uh while having this serious moment without, without ever talking about this character that was clearly would have been out of place in it um the uh when they were having this first moment of romantic tension and then they break it with a high five yes yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, uh, uh, and the um, oh guys, the the Gandhi quote, which I don't actually, I didn't recognize it. I've taught classes on Gandhi, and I I went through and like decided to consult Google on the only through the elimination of violence will we finally be able to achieve peace. I don't think that's an actual Gandhi. Well, I don't think any quote. of the quotes are real. I don't think the Gandhi quote is real. Any of the Bible scriptures that are quoted are not None real. None of those are accurate. Bible verse. Yeah, I think that it's intentionally. Like, I think most of them, the, the Bible verse doesn't even exist. Right. Yeah. Everything that like, it's there quoting. There is no like Matthew 24, 24. Yeah, I think it's Perfect. very intentionally not quoting anything correctly. <laughs> Way to stay on game. And I hadn't even realized <laughs> that about the biblical quote. So nice. Yeah. 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 Um. I don't know. Should we pivot to the silver line? I mean, I think we've been. Yeah, I, I don't know. What to, like, I think this is all no, been a I mix. Mean, this, of, yeah, this is one of this is one of those episodes where, like, if you're maligning this movie, you're watching it wrong. Right. Yeah. Like, because this movie, it it's in on the joke, and in a very like deft and clever way, it's in on the joke that it's not like it's much more clever at being in on the joke than like any Zucker Brothers movie. Yeah, and I love the Zucker brothers like Airplane is great, like their Naked Gun movies are great, but like it's very winky, you know, like the directing is very like, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, this movie like. It's just like it makes you wonder, like, is this guy a genius or like, did they just give some crazy person a camera <laughs> and say, make a movie? 
And yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I think we've talked about it too, but just to hit it even harder here at the end, there's a lot of craft in the editing of this movie and a lot of skill on display when it wants to have skill on display. Like, the you you know, you could give a lot of people that are up and coming directors $35,000 to shoot a movie, and I don't think most of them could put together that montage, the stained glass, like, montage. Well, I montage. think most people would make clerks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't make Velocipaster. They would make Clerks or they would make Diner or they would make something like that. Or they'd make Velocipaster, but without the explosion in Vietnam and without the the editing, like a lot of the, the cinematic tricks, the VFX stuff and, and montage stuff would not be in yeah. it. It would just be the suit and the bad fight choreography. <laughs> right. Well, um, you'll be pleased to know that uh, in theory, there was funding for a sequel or something Ooh. in the world. Uh, it would have been coming around during the uh, during COVID. So I'm not sure where it stands right now. But um, there was reporting that the second film um, that had about uh, 1.5 to 2 million budget. I'm not sure whether or not that's what uh, will be called Outback Dracula and is described as, quote, an Australian LGBTQ plus uh, vampire film. Uh, the plot will be set in Australia in 1880, where a psychic lesbian joins an adventure uh, to find a lost girlfriend and defeat Dracula and his army of undead. Um, I am concerned about how he will handle what could be a topic with some really <laughs> troubling political implications. But yes, yeah, yes. there's there's some stuff that we kind of touched up on it, like this movie gets away with some things because it's doing grindhouse and what you just described definitely requires a much better like softer touch you know it requires actually yeah. executing that you can't do the same kind of tone which is i'm confused because you said it's a, like is it somehow connected to this or it's just his next it's, it's set in um uh, it, it something it's i'm trying to find out maybe i didn't catch it on where it was it's it's like it's spiritual sequel, I think, was okay. <laughs> okay. But it's not like Which a cinematic like universe. Speak. Yeah. Like, I want it to be completely different, but I understand you're giving me funding because of this thing. Right. And, right. Uh, sequels don't scare you as much. <laughs> I, I just want to know why you guys think that the person who wrote the line, if you stuffed dicks in your mouth like that sandwich, I'd be a millionaire right now. Uh, couldn't have a deft touch with uh, sensitive social issues. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. will say that line made me do a literal spit take at the time <laughs> that I was watching it just and just start. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. good writing is good writing, you know, right. I believe yeah, that one. I believe that one. Yo, the actual yo, Gandhi I, quote. I wrote this in the text because, we, you know, we don't want to get what be word for word accurate of this brilliance. Yo, Cherry, if you stuffed dicks in your mouth like you're doing that sandwich, I'd be a fucking millionaire by now. And it was just like, oh my, right. Um, and again, I, I do like the set and I like the sensibility of satire if it's so over the top that it is satire, right? That it's, that it's recognizing this and critiquing it in the same way that it's in that genre. Um, well, and we, okay. we should probably be clear to, because we're talking about this, you know, line, which is ridiculous, but also this character that says it is the character that five seconds after uh, Carol says that, like, you know, you should use his power to destroy terrible people, walks into the confession and says every terrible thing he's ever done and is mauled by Including, the Velocipaster. Like, stealing candy from babies. Yes. And right. blowing up like, the like, parents of the Velocipaster. Of the Velocipaster. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's yep. definitely the bad person. And that was definitely done. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that in order to do that kind of satire, you should have to build a trust with the audience. Like, the audience trusts that you're not an asshole. Right. Yeah. That you mean this as critique and not something that's OK, which is kind of interesting. How do you thread that line? Uh, and I don't think that he's demonstrated like that he's going to be delicate about how to thread it. But here it was it was clearly way over the top. We can only hope and assume that that was the intent there. Yeah, I mean. But it's again, why if it was an improv scene, you'd immediately are like, Lope, you know what, let's not. Let's yeah. let's I understand not. what you're trying to do with satire, but it can be interpreted the wrong way. And there's enough that goes the wrong way that we don't need to add to that trash pile. But so, I mean, like that's like the type of line though, that can only work scripted. Yeah. Cause like I've, I, we are all seasoned improv performers. I would not feel comfortable delivering that line in any improv scene. No. Nope. And I, yeah. I, I'll say too that maybe it's worth mentioning too, that that line is delivered to no one. We never see who, 
who right. this person it's is to the ether, yeah. which is the correct move as well that there's not because again if you were doing an improv scene you would never want to say that to your scene partner <laughs> you know like so i think there's that and i will say too that like i do think there's some care taken with carol overall of like it you know right. the that because of the genre, because of the tropes, it could have been a lot more exploitive of that character. And it's really a very sweet towards her. But it, but she has agency and, yeah. you know, she's a fully realized character. She's not just a trope. But that's what I mean. It's, I mean she it, is, the movie takes a lot of she, care in the way that it presents like she her. She is a damsel yeah. in distress and like she's not the most well-written female character in the world. But and this movie does not come close to passing the Bechdel test because I believe <laughs> that she and his mother and uh, the old priest, old girlfriend are the only three female characters that get any screen time. Yeah, that sounds well. And uh, the, the woman that's see... shot with the arrow as well. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. I checked to see whether or not any of them uh, had this as their launching point in their careers. And none of the actors have gone to it, which I feel like she had good screen presence. And actually of the whole, like, we're going to go ahead and just leave it on the actor's face for a while and see if we can go like, somehow get them to emote what they're going through internally. I thought she did a good job there. Yeah, no, I'm surprised um, that, yeah, I, what is it? Uh, now I'm trying to look. Alyssa Kempinski. Yeah, right. that she, she's good. Yeah, like I, I, I it That'll should be a launching point. play on a marquee, sweetheart. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that that's actually one of the things point. that when I was looking yeah. at this, I feel like there's the things like, well, they're definitely early in their careers because like none of them have thought to go for stage names with some of these <laughs> names that definitely would have. Uh, and I feel like uh, Greg Cohen, the guy who played Pastor Doug, like I got serious Michael Hall vibes from him. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked Actually, a little yeah. bit. Uh, he looks a little like John Mulaney too. I feel like a little like John Mulaney. Yeah, um, a little like uh, the guy from Jag, whose name I can't remember, but has done like all those '80s TV shows and '90s TV shows. He's actually done a fair amount of TV work. Uh, I think he has the most like prolific resume, I guess, of anybody, or the most like I might have seen him in a thing. Compared he, to the rest of the cast, yeah, the, um, the, he particularly reminded me, but um, the uh, Michael Hall in Six Feet Under, like that the character there, yeah. I felt like, yeah. yeah. I would say Alyssa Kapinski was on High Fidelity and The Deuce. She played female customer in High Fidelity, but she did have a character. Right, but to be named, clear, not the, the film High Fidelity. No, the, the TV Hulu, show, Hulu the show. Hulu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I believe before I could finish. Yeah. I, I think possibly just like a like a customer it's yeah. a female customer but she she had a character name in the deuce so i'll give her that she played tracy so there you go <laughs> yeah but no they should all get more the two of them in particular should get be getting work off of this 100 percent. and yeah i like the guy that played the old priest too yeah, he was i'll good. say it yeah yeah do like, we have his name by any chance or i didn't write it down but no but no, he did do a good job, particularly. And when he went back and in Vietnam and wore that ridiculous wig that was could not have been more clearly a wig. Yes. Right. right. Also, in the, the over the top things where it where like they went, it felt like an improv scene more than a movie um, that when his long lost uh, spouse showed up in the middle of the war zone, just <laughs> what's she doing there? Yes. Yeah, that war zone looked suspiciously like China, even it though it was <laughs> Vietnam. It right. Yes. Uh, right. It looks like and Daniel again, Steer, by the way, is the guy's name. Yeah. And it was another example like, of like where the Daniel I Steer, the was... writer, director, everything. No, I don't think so. No, Brendan, it might be his dad. Honestly, same spelling oh, of the last name. So I it could bet be, it is his dad. I bet 100%. it's the father of the writer, director. So good call on that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I yeah, think no, this, the... this movie's fun. I, th- I think the way for I, I summarize it, um, if you were to happen to be in a place where marijuana was legal and you watch <laughs> the film while under said influence, and then which would be just hypothetically an amazing experience. Right. And then you go like, but wait, like, was this just because I was high when I saw it? And then you watch the second time. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. This really T- John, this was as crazy as I imagined it to be. John, this sounds very specific as no, if nope. speaking <laughs> from I, got that, I got that sense about it i just I got that that sense about it okay I mean, you, just, speaking, you just sound like you're speaking from a, such a place of, pr- of primary knowledge that i just i just you know what i i like to commit to my ex my descriptions and i'm just very descriptive in that okay but if I those particular like circumstances that. happen to happen to someone <laughs> i'm i am i i feel very positive <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's it's really a shame that you've now seen this. You can't 
see what it'd be like I, to right, watch it right. through, uh, you know, virgin uh, stoned eyes <laughs> That's to, right. to so, make this uh, comparison. And, and and I, I feel like just, it wouldn't work the other way. Like having watched it clear, clear eyed and then watch it stoned. I feel like that wouldn't be the right order to do it. If you're going to watch it stoned one a, of the times. Andy, Andy, that sounds very specific. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Again, uh, I stick to my descriptions. <laughs> I just think the best way to watch it is completely sober, and then to be stoned right now. So, <laughs> um, it's that definitely like you know what you're you talking. Should, about. <laughs> you should watch with people. Like it's definitely like it's fine on your own too. But um, uh, when I first watched it, it was with folks, and there was definitely like the sort of like, did that just happen? Uh, and having. Feels like now, this is a movie that I think is is fun to debrief while watching it. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. Like simultaneously. Like it has that level of fun. Um, yeah. And like. That's the thing is, I think that sets it apart from those other like what you might call intentionally bad movies like The Room or Troll 2 is that like or anything that Ed Wood ever did is like they were intentional, but they also like weren't intentional. They were like unintentionally intentional where like it might have been the best they could do. Whereas yeah. this movie, like he's like, I'm going to make just a ridiculous film and, and, and go for it. And, you know, I'm going to cast my friends. I'm going to cast my dad. Uh, I'm going to, you know, a couple of people looking for an IMDb credit and we're going to make this movie for nothing. And uh, within 10 years, I'll be directing MCU movies. And in my mind, the, the story I want to tell, I don't know if it's the case, is that, that, that Brendan was sitting there going like, I'm that Brendan never expected it to be watched as, as, as often as it is. Like that, that this really was just partly like a, a learning experience and was hopefully going to catch on. But that that it is it is exceeded what he had intended or, or hoped and that and that's part of it. And so this is sort of part of this is just like, fuck it. I think this is hilarious and I want to do it. Yeah. And I, th and I think, too, we're all kind of saying this, too, is like for the budget that he made it for and for the ridiculous premise that he made it on, I think the sky's the limit for him. I want to see what happens next. I want to see what the future of his filmmaking career holds, because there is clearly a lot of talent in the making of this film and someone who can do this with this much money, give him thirty five million dollars. And I don't know what he makes. <laughs> or it's unwatchable or it's unwatchable. Right. But I want to see. So I, I know yeah. I want to see I want to see what's next. Yeah. Whether it's Outback Dracula, why that's not just called Outbackula, I don't know. Or Scott Bakula. Just Outbackula starring Scott Bakula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the instant premise. grab that Velocipaster does, that's yeah. for sure. No, out, yeah. it's close, but Outback Dracula just doesn't quite doesn't quite have the same punch. Yeah, the same. Right. But, I mean, maybe this movie proves that he doesn't just need the hook like he's going to go for it. Yeah. So. I mean, I will watch Outback Dracula if and when it comes out. Yeah, we're all watching yeah. Outback Dracula for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. So. All right. But yeah, I, I think we did it. I think we definitely did it. This is yeah. what was an all silver lining episode, which is way different than last week when we talked about the happening. Oof. Yeah, that one. Which probably cost way more than this to make, I would like to point out, too. Oh, so. one day of shooting cost more than this. The on the tree happening. rustling cost more than this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, just that 20 minutes of tree rustling was at least 35K. And yet, I just, I know I keep going back to it, nowhere ending, but that the end of the montage and lovemaking scene, when it's quickly going like half second clip, I don't know if, you, if you've done much, much editing before, but that's a pain like oh no i is I, not yeah no i'm with you the i you and i i think both are aware of how much work went into that montage which is why i think we both keep mentioning it of like i bet no, it, it was took... great and it's so hard to do that and like that yeah. that probably took most of the time editing the movie oh yeah by far he spent more on that than any other scene i would guarantee that, well, that, that i mean yeah i'm saying he spent more on that than all of the other yeah. scenes combined. Yeah, no, I think that's correct. I think that's why some of those other scenes could have had some time trimmed off of them. All of his time and attention went into that montage, which is fantastic. Yeah, and no, that, also, that part is excellent. The audio doesn't screw up. At the degree the, oh, yeah. the video gets wonky, but at no point are the audio levels really screwed up or anything like that. And there's a number of outdoor scenes, like they're well-miked. 
Well, again, uh, and that's why which, I think he's doing the like digital but pretending it's film because it, it gets wonky but intentionally so. But it's always well lit. The sound is always amazing. Which on a yeah a movie this budget, uh, like the fact that you can make it sound and be lit well is also a testament to true craft as well. Actually, yeah. it's a hundred percent. It couldn't have possibly been, or, or I, at least I, I think I, I don't say think this, it but then yeah. watch it. Yeah. The other reason yeah, there's is no that, chance it was on film. They, like you yeah. clearly edited on video, and the whole just even the telescening it right, just taking mm-hmm. for the process of going from film to digital. Well done, like yeah, yeah. But no, it's no, this was this was this was shot on an iPhone. Like let's be real, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But an iPhone with like a good boom mic pointed at your actors, you know. So, yes. Yeah. With very good sound mixing. Yeah. Well done. Uh, it but, yeah. might have gotten nominated for an Academy Award. No one remembers who got those nominations. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right, uh, John, is there, uh, besides your friend's movie, which we should maybe plug again, but like, is there anything else that you want to point people towards? Right, yeah, if you want the, the if you want to see one that, it's, it's not maligned, it's just, I feel like doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Alien Raiders, a perfect, like if you want to, you know, I would like to watch something that I think has quality and really, absolutely, uh, go see that. Um, uh, if you happen to be in Baltimore, come see Improv. Andy and I perform with an improv group called Local Spot. Uh, and, um, I also, uh, yeah. So, and hot pursuit, a duo improv in Baltimore. So there's that. Uh, so yeah. And go see just improv in general. I know it can be terrible, but it's like this, right? It's like the, what you can say about it is that, uh, it's when it's best, it's at least not mediocre, right? There's parts of brilliance and parts of, uh, but that it generally makes it a worthwhile watching. I would say uh, if you liked this movie, you will enjoy live improv <laughs> for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, and this movie does the same thing, actually, to full circle for um, Fast and Furious, the same thing that always amazed me about the franchise, that you think there's no further that it can go. And then in the one that I watched, like, nope, you, where you go for chicken, what if you just ram right into the car? Yeah. It's like, what if you have to jump from one building to another? That When you think there's no other place to heighten, and yet it does, that's just a very impressive and uh, a very enjoyable thing as an audience member to see. I think we should give him a Fast and Furious movie. I think that's what we're all saying is that he should direct I mean, Fast Eleven. Y- yeah, I mean Justin Lin's dropping out. Like, there's oh, that's no true. Thing. Yeah, there's, that's true. They need a director for Fast Ten. So, like, that's I don't. He, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's an exclusive. <laughs> it's all about family and dinosaurs. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloft Network at peaksloft.com. Peaksloft.